Hello, hello, and hello, ladies, ladies, and gentlemen. Welcome back for another episode of Not Now When. And today I have such an honor to introduce you my special special guest, Yan Yang, and he is such a rock star, guys. Let me tell you why. Um, he started off his career in investing world for thirteen years, guys. You can tell he is smart as wit. Then he started a restaurant franchise with his brother named How Do You Roll, which he then later pitched in the ABC show, The Shark Tank, um, and received the highest investment offer at the time from Kevin O'Leary. Wow. Uh, Yen was named as a finalist for the Austin Forty Under Forty Award in two thousand thirteen, and currently he is a board member for the Greater Austin Asian Chamber of Commerce, serving the Greater Austin community. And today, Yen is the CEO of Casolo Group. A multi-family real estate investment firm that focusing on major market throughout the Southwest, and also, guys, I'm not done yet. Wow, he's also the author of the book *The Brian Grind*, and in the process of writing another book named *The Business Model Blueprint*. Wow, with that, guys, I don't know about you, I am so pumped and so honored and excited. Thank you, thank you so much, Yan, for joining me. Welcome to the show. <laughs> thank you. It was nice to be here. Yes. Oh my God, you done so much, Yan. I love, I love your journey. So love to uh, hear a little bit from you. How do you? How does all that get started? Well, <laughs> it probably started with my parents immigrating to to the U.S. Uh, back in. 1974. So I was a year old. My parents immigrated from China,、uh, and、uh, we landed in Manhattan, New York, and lived in Chinatown for for many years.、Uh, and so I grew up in Chinatown till I was about seven. And then、uh, my、mm-hmm. father decided that he was going to move us to Houston, Texas. And so that's where I I spent the rest of my young young life、uh, in Houston. And then went to the university, University of Texas here in Austin, and、uh, graduated with a finance degree. So that's kind of how、uh, my education、mm. and grow, growing up kind of happened. How did you pick finances when you were、um, grew up in a restaurant business? And also, how does that immigration, you know, from your parents influence you as a young, you know, young person at the time? Yeah, you know, it's it they're they're intertwined.、Uh, so growing up,、uh, being in the restaurant business, I watched my parents. Do business, and you know,、mm-hmm. it, for them it was kind of learn as they go, and so I was just part of that whole process. So as they were learning, I was learning, and it was just all kind of intertwined. And so when I went to university, I knew I wanted to study business, and and that was there was no doubt that that's where I was going to go.、Uh, engineering, science, that stuff was not for me. I really was fascinated with business. How I ended up with finance was more because I sat there and I looked at the majors that were offered at University of Texas, and I said, well. Accounting, yeah, kind of behind the scenes, kind of boring, <laughs> <laughs> and、uh, you know, but you know, I I could do accounting if I needed to, but it's not that exciting to me. Then、yeah. I looked and I said marketing. I was like, marketing? Why do I need to major in that? You just have to be creative.、Uh, you don't need a degree <laughs> for that. <laughs> and little did I understand it at the time, but at the time, that's how I was thinking. 
And I said, you know what, uh, management, that's just people. I know how to deal with people. I don't, I don't need to get a degree in management. Mm. And so one of the few things left was finance. And I said, oh, I know nothing about finance. What is finance? And mm -hmm. so I did some studying and some research about what finance was. And I said, wow, that's, that's fascinating. Um, I can see myself really in a career in finance. And that's kind of how it happened. Wow. I love that you have such such a high self-awareness. At the time, you were probably 17, 18, and already kind of knew what you wanted. Do you yeah. always like that? Well, or... I think a lot of that was because I grew up in the restaurant business. Uh, when you think about it, when you're running a restaurant, uh, which is one of the hardest jobs uh, ever, <laughs> in my opinion, one of the toughest businesses. Uh, and growing up in it, you know, I, I, I went through it and I, what I saw was uh, by waiting tables, you learn about people and how to treat people by, you know, counting inventory and dealing with inventory. You learn about accounting and, you know, promoting the, the specials that you have. That's marketing. Mm -hmm. And so everything about that restaurant became that whole process mm. of what business was to me. Wow. That's incredible. I don't know. It's just my life. <laughs> I, I, no, I was, <laughs> you, you call it incredible. I'm sitting there going like, I hated it growing up because I couldn't be, you know, like a, a, a normal child. I had to work. <laughs> but, but be honest though, would you want to change anything though, if you could? No, no, no. Like, you know, I, I try to live life with no regrets and, and mm. what, what you lose in one instance, you gain in another. Right. And so, Beautiful. yeah, the world is, the world is a yin and a yang. Right. And it just constantly turning. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, my, my experience is my experience and, and my children will have a very different experience than myself, but we, we all gain something out of it. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. Um, that's wonderful. So then you go to university with a finance degree. It, was it what you wanted it? Was it everything you expect? You, you know, what, what was funny is that actually it, it became such an obsession for me. I, um, as I was studying it, uh, I actually ended up getting a 4.0 in finance in all my finance classes wow. because I liked it so much. It was just so intriguing to me. And the, the, the conversation. What do you like about it? You know, what I like about it is that it, it, it's very forward thinking. Uh, so when you think about fine accounting is in arrears. So when you think about accounting, it's, it's there mm -hmm. to record it based on what's already happened. Mm -hmm. Finance was all about what's going to happen in the future. And can I predict that and trying to model returns and try to model where the market is going to go? Why do things flow the way they flow? And what, where does that lead you to? That was just fascinating to me. Hmm. That's that's so interesting. I love the way how you look at it. Yeah, yeah. So you yeah. like to have a crystal ball. You want to know how business works. You wanted to predict the future. Yeah, yeah. And I really, you know, it was something that uh, growing up, uh, being being an immigrant, you know, you don't talk about the stock market. You don't know much about the stock market. That wasn't your life. Uh, it was about working and, 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 and serving, you know, customers and that sort of thing at the restaurant. And so going into finance was mm -hmm. like, wow. You can make money by putting money somewhere and, <laughs> and, and, and it'll, it'll grow. And, and that's all you have to do. That was just fascinating. Mm. Yeah, just fascinating. That's so interesting. I'm curious, you know, because at the time you were growing up in a restaurant business, which every day, day that you, you and your parents working in the restaurant and probably just worry about the, the, you know, the profit, all that stuff. But by the end of the month or year, probably really looking ahead and projecting the five-year growth trajectory, for example. Maybe is, do you say that that would be one of the reasons that now you're fascinated by the, the scale, the how able to grow 
in that sense, finance world. Yeah, you know, when 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 you're in business, and then you you pair that with the the financial knowledge that that comes with the education, you you start seeing it in a very different way. Um, you you start seeing the flow of the business and. And that's why it kind of led me to write the second book, which is the 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 business blueprint, you know, right? Mm. Uh, the business model blueprint, which is all about when you look at business, you've got human capital, you've got cash, you've got cash flow, and then you have time. And the combination of all those resources is what creates business and allows us to 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 in- innovate and and build businesses. And so I felt like you know growing up in in the restaurant business gave me the beginnings of how business works. Then going mm-hmm. to formal education allowed me to solidify, you know, the, the, the higher level thinking there and then, you know, pairing the two eventually at some time down the road. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's beautiful. Um, okay, so now you are crushing it, getting 4.0 GPA, which is like insane and unheard of. And is that how you kind of march off your career in the investing world? Yeah, so, so right, right, right uh, during my senior year, I was trying to figure out what I was going to do after school. Uh, and it was one of those where it's like, well, do I, do I go back and, and try to build a little restaurant empire with my parents? Uh, do I, do I go into the financial world? Do I become a stockbroker? Do I want to work at wall street? A lot, a lot of different options and things going around uh, in my head, uh, senior year. I ultimately decided I didn't want to be in the restaurant business anymore because I grew up in it and I was still doing it even in college, working with my parents and, and helping manage their restaurants. I decided I didn't want to be in that business anymore. And so I started exploring really the world of finance in terms of investments. And so, uh, you know, I was looking at becoming a stockbroker. I was looking at potentially doing investment banking, uh, but ultimately I settled with uh, becoming a financial planner. Uh, and the reason I, I wanted to be a financial planner was ultimately, I, not only did I want to make money, uh, but more importantly, I wanted to help people. I wanted to be able to bring that skill set uh, to help other people so that they can build wealth mm-hmm. and, and, and grow. That's beautiful. Um, so what happened? In 13 years, you grew your influence in your organization in a very large way. How do you, what, what inspired you to pivot? You know what's interesting? <laughs> so so I, I, I started off as a financial planner and I worked for a yes. company at that time called American Express Financial Advisors, right? So everyone's heard of American Express. And at that yes. time, they actually owned a separate company called American Express Financial Advisors. And they were the only job offer I got where they basically said, we won't pay you, but you will, you will earn whatever you earn and it's unlimited, <laughs> uh, wow yeah way and, to go yeah everybody else like you know i was looking what's funny is i was looking at a company called enron which of course is infamous wow. for, Wait, for what happened was it? this was a uh, 1996 oh you and, were so lucky yeah and enron gave me an offer and it was a pretty good offer and uh, accenture which was then anderson consulting mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. also was looking uh, as, as a possibility. There was a company called Oldie Discount Broker, which today has turned into H&R Block. Uh, but anyway, these were all the different offers. And yet American Express uh, was the only one that said, well, we don't really have salaries here. You, you, you have to make it happen. And if you make it happen, no one's going to limit you on how much you're going to make, you know, in year one, two, three, four, five. And Wait, I- so <laughs> you are fresh graduate and you don't, yeah. have, a, you don't have a salary? No, nothing. Commission yeah. base? Yeah, 100% commission you, base. 
how would you not get scared? You just graduated. Well, you... <laughs> yeah. the, the way I thought about it was, you know, I, I'm, I'm 20, I think I was 21 at the time, 21, 22. And I said, you know, I have nothing to risk. I was still living like a college student, right? I, was st- mm-hmm. I still had a roommate. Um, I had my car and I was like, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to give it everything I got to see if, if I make it. Uh, and if I don't make it, That's then, awesome. you know, I'm 22, 23, life is not ending. I'm going to continue. But I said, but if I make it, then I'm going to make it big. And, and so that's kind of what happened. Wow. So tell us, did you make it big? You know, I did very well. Uh, so I, I, I uh, within the company, uh, I ended up winning uh, different awards as top producer in as a rookie year one. And, wow. uh, and then uh, they actually then because I was doing well enough, they actually offered me to become uh, a manager. And so I started training other people. Uh, and then two mm-hmm. years into that career, uh, they made me the VP of the Austin office here, here in Austin. And so I was the youngest VP ever uh, at age 23, 24. And I was uh, running an office here in Austin, actually in the Arboretum, not very far from from uh, from Mm -hmm. where I am. And uh, did that for for several years and uh, turned it into the number one office in, 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 in the U.S. Wow. And I want to take a second. What made you so successful in such a young age, in two years, in, you know, you become you already had in the office and then you become a VP later. That's insane. Incredible. Yeah. What, it's, what it, I like thought it was crazy. that they, Yeah. I thought it was crazy. They would let somebody that was 24 years old <laughs> with a couple of years experience run, run, run an entire, entire division. Um, you know, I think it came down to uh, right place, right time. Uh, the VPs that were above me saw, saw my passion uh, they saw my energy level and they saw my ability to to work with people. Uh, and ultimately, you know, financial planners, it's a people business. And so um, I think that they just mm. gave me the opportunity, gave me the shot. And I thought, wow, gosh, if they were crazy enough to give me a shot, then I should be crazy enough to take it. Uh, and uh, so I did. And um, I rallied a, a really good team of managers uh, who are all mm-hmm. very highly successful today uh, in the financial field. Uh, so it's very exciting to see, you know, what you can do mm-hmm. when you're young and you pull in, you know, mm-hmm. hardworking people who, who are like minded and, and get creative and, and really do make things happen. So it was a fun time. It was a very fun time mm-hmm. for me. Yeah. Wow. So the passion, the energy, the people skills truly set you apart in the right place, right time. Boom, you are a VP. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so at that time, yeah, you're living a dream. You probably you know accomplish all the things you wanted to do right well How no you, that? <laughs> no you know it, it, after after a couple of years of, of of being the vp the next opportunity uh they wanted me to move to to california uh to run an even bigger territory um uh but i decided not to do that because uh something that's very important to me is family and i decided going to california when everybody was in texas uh was not the right move and I had just gotten married and uh, my wife was going to school at UT as well. And we Mm -hmm. had a conversation and we decided, you know what, Um, you know, I'm going to have to build, I'm going to have to build my life here and decided to stay in Texas. So yeah, stopped being VP and started uh, my practice back up and uh, built my practice back up. What is the practice back up? Oh, my clients. Yeah. So when I first started, I had clients and as I built up clients, uh, when you're a VP, you have to give that up because you're, you're running the office. Oh. And so, so I had to give up my, my client base. And so I decided not to do that, 
keep my client base and grow my client base and, and build it into a, a company. Oh, is it a separate company? Yeah. So we, we, what we did was uh, the way the platform worked was they allowed us to be independent. And so me and a couple of other advisors came together and formed something called Kenty Young Ozias and Associates. Uh, so wow. just each of our last names. Uh, so it was almost like a private practice. We had our own office, had, had our own staff. Mm. And, and uh, over, over the course of four or five years, uh, we, we came together and we, we built up a couple of hundred million dollars of, of assets that we managed. And so we won the bigger practices in, in, in the uh, Amer- American Express and then became America, Ameriprise platform. Wow. So even though you gave away this huge opportunity in California, but you got this backup plan. Yeah, I just had to rebuild. <laughs> just had to build it back up. <laughs> oh, wow. Is that a hard choice for you at the time? It was. It was very hard. It was very hard. Uh, mostly because innately in my nature, I, I believe that uh, leadership is, is what I was meant to do and what I'm good at. And so to, to not pursue that and to uh, go into building a business uh, again uh, was, was definitely uh, emotionally challenging. But move forward anyway. Yeah, yeah, you know, that's life. <laughs> that's life. Wow, I love that. I love that you just knew what you want, even though it's a hard choice. You move forward anyway. I love that. Courageous. I love that courage out of you. Uh-huh, so thanks. tell us what, what happened. So at the moment, you let go of that huge opportunity in California. You decided to, you know, Start building up your um, your client base. Yeah, and then what happened? Yeah, so we 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 teamed up. We built up uh, a very nice practice. Did that for many years, and so my total career in the financial services business uh, ended up being about almost thirteen years in in total. So at this mm-hmm. point, I'm I'm about thirty, you know, mid thirties, uh, and have done very well. I'm a millionaire, mm-hmm. right? Everything's everything's good. Uh, and mm-hmm. then my brother, who's who's younger than me, uh, who's a sushi chef, came to me and said, hey, I've got an idea. Um, I really like to start my own sushi restaurant. <laughs> and I said, oh, OK, well, yeah, I love sushi. Let's talk about it. And um, two years later, after that conversation, we created something called How Do You Roll? And uh, it was, you know, a novel concept. Essentially, it was uh, a Chipotle or a Subway, but with sushi rolls. That's incredible. And. Wait, so at that moment, do you have to let go everything you are doing in the finance world? Not yet. Not yet. At that time, I was still, I was still doing finance. Uh, I was working mm-hmm. with my brother on the side. Uh, he was still working. I was still working. And we were just mm-hmm. kind of conceptually trying to put it together. Uh, we, Got had, it. You, we had to put a business plan together. And, and that's what we did. And so, uh, so yeah. You mentioned that you don't want to get in the restaurant anymore. That's I know, I know. So how I, does that come about? What made you agree? You know, it's funny. It, it's, it, you know, when I graduated, I said, no more restaurants, no more family members, working with family members. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> 13 years later, I, you know, my brother makes a liar out of me. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so, you know, you know, it, it was interesting. Um, you know, it was at first, it was just a, a, a side project. It was just Mm-hmm. This idea to to do something, I'll invest in it. He would run it, um, and we would just kind of see how it goes. But really, I mm-hmm. would continue to do financial planning. Um, mm-hmm. About a, about six months into actually opening the restaurant and running it, uh, he came to me and said, "Hey, you know, we I need more help, and and this is getting more serious." 
And uh, so, you know, I, I, I looked into it. Uh, we had some challenges when we first opened. We were losing money. Most people think it was just a straight line up, and it wasn't. And we were losing money. Why is that? Well, it, it was a completely new concept. No one, no one understood what we were doing. Uh, it was too novel. Uh, it was, you know, I was demystifying sushi by, you know, allowing people to pick their Break own ingredients. Mm -hmm. Yeah, people were like, what, what's going on here? And so it took a while. But, you know, six months in, all of a sudden, social media started getting crazy on us. Uh, people started talking about us. And all of a sudden, we started turning profit. And uh, mm -hmm. but it took a long time. And so it was kind of scary at first uh, in terms mm -hmm. of where we were. And so that was when, you know, once things started, you know, uh, turning, we, we had a conversation about what, what we were going to do here. Was this going to continue to just be a side project for me to invest in and he would work full time mm -hmm. or, or or what do we want to do here? And as things were going well, we said, you know, what? there's an opportunity here. Uh, this could be big. This could be really, really big. It could be something that that is, you know, transformative. And so I, I made a decision, um, you know, it was, it was a, it was one of those where I said, you know what, I really have to decide what my value system is. And, and I've always said the family first, right. Family was always number one. And here I mm -hmm. was with my brother asking, you know, he's asking me to help him and, and, and be a bigger part of it. I don't mm -hmm. know how I would feel if I said no, right. If I said no. And uh, at that same time, what was interesting was that, uh, you know, I had one son at that time already, uh, but at mm -hmm. the time when he was talking to me, we, uh, my wife was pregnant with our second son. Mm -hmm. And uh, so uh, right before we, we had the baby, uh, my oldest son, uh, you know, was talking about something about having to help his brother when his brother was born. And I said, mm -hmm. well, you know, you're his brother. So anytime he needs help, you just have to do it. And that was oh, like a light bulb. Uh, it was almost like I was talking to myself. <laughs> and that's I said, oh, oh, my God, my brother's doing exactly that to me. And I'm not, am I making the right decision? So, you know, mm -hmm. I had to live by my own value system and, 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 to, and to be able to, to, to just let things go. So I sold my practice uh, to my partners and, uh, and I moved on and, and I went into how do you roll wow. full force? Yeah. So. Let me ask you this, you know, by the way, I'm just so, I'm so inspired and touched by what you just said. It's beautiful what you said about, you know, your own um, son and also relationship with you and your brother is so beautiful. But so basically you set up, you decide this is my value system. I'm going to align with that. And you just, it's, was it hard for you to move forward with you love your passion, all the things you built for 13 years, all the practices, the clients love you, you are the people person. Was, was that easy? Or no, would it be just no. easy once you decide? Yeah. No, it was really hard. Uh, I, I am still friends with some of my clients that I had <laughs> 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. um, and that's how deep those relationships run. Uh, I've seen them go through marriages and children and education mm -hmm. for their kids and retirement. I mean, you know, you go through a lot with, with, with those people and they become a part of you. Um, the decision was hard from that perspective. Uh, the decision was easy mm -hmm. from the perspective of I was excited to get in it with my brother and, and build something mm -hmm. with my brother. Uh, and so from that perspective, it was an easy decision. Uh, financially, you know, it was fine because, you know, I was selling my practice. I was getting seven figures for that. And, mm -hmm. and I knew I had enough money to go pursue, you know, the next thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, and then the possibilities of what how do you roll could become was exciting uh, to me. Mm -hmm. And and so I was very, uh, you know, enamored with what I could turn it into and what my brother and I could, could make out of it. And, you know, so that was kind of 
where we were. Beautiful. And what was your vision by the time? Well, at the time, I was thinking we're going to turn into the next big franchise. <laughs> yes. Uh, so you know, so how's that go? Well, you know what's funny is that you know I learned another lesson in life is that you don't ever fall in love with your business, love your family, love your your wife, love your your your, your children, but don't ever fall in love with your business. Your business is just a means to get you to 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 you know to be able to love your family. Uh, Why do you say that? Well, because I think what happens is some people start sacrificing their relationships with their their family, mm-hmm. their wives, their husbands, uh, their children. They never mm-hmm. see their kids. Mm-hmm. They, they have no relationship with their wives, all for the sake of the business. And if the business is doing that, mm-hmm. you know, it, it ends up killing you as a person. And mm-hmm. in life, you have to make a determination of what's more important, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, so I think that that's, that's a big part of it. And so when it was time to sell mm-hmm. How Do You Roll, we just sold it. It wasn't, it was, it was tough. It was a tough decision. It was gut-wrenching. But at the same time, it was the right decision because I needed to get back to building you know, my, my life and my family back because the restaurant business so, is so, tough. Mm-hmm. So tell us a little bit more. So you decided to now going full time with your brother and what happened and what, what, what we, was the challenge at the time? So, so there's, Oh, the challenges were multi, the many, right? There was plenty of challenges. Um, you know, we had to, we had to bootstrap the first store because uh, it was 2008 and all the financial crisis happened. And Mm -hmm. so nobody would lend us any money. So we had to use our own money. Mm -hmm. Um, By the time things were going okay. um, And I jumped in, we opened a second store. So we opened another store, downtown Austin. And that one, uh, luckily we had some financing, but I had to cash out a lot of savings and, and things to, to make that happen. So very scary mm-hmm. times and, and big, big risk um, to, to mm-hmm. put in, you know, even your own retirement money into, uh, into the, wow. the second store. But by the time the second store was happening, um, we decided we're going to try to build a franchise. And so we hired a franchising consultant and they basically came back and said, you're not ready. <laughs> uh, you, you have to have a lot more procedures and operations and everything locked down before you can franchise. And so over the course of the next year, uh, we, we started building systems. And I would say that over the, the, the many years, we, we, we got really good at building very finite systems, probably to a level that you don't normally see in a restaurant other than maybe McDonald's, right, with the precision. Mm. Um, and so we were getting very precise and, 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 and able to actually teach other people how to do it. So a year later, we started franchising. And that was a turning point for the company because once we started franchising, we had so much interest uh, initially from, from folks that we signed up franchisees pretty quickly. And so then mm-hmm. more stores started happening. And, and so next thing you know, we've got six stores in Austin. You know, we got a store in Houston, a couple of stores in Houston, store in Phoenix, store, store kind of all over. And That's incredible. How do you able to get a word out? That's wonderful. You know, it's interesting. Um, if you're when you're unique and people like it, they just spread the word for you. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, yeah, yeah, and 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 that's how we ended up on Shark Tank because uh, you know mm-hmm. one day, ABC they you know these reality TV shows they have scouted talents and and they go out and they scout for unique ideas and businesses and they found us on the internet and and came to us. Wow. Um, so they said, came hey. to you. Yeah, they came to us. We did. But do you need the money at the time though, or? You know, at the time, we, we, we wanted more capital because we were trying to grow and we were growing really fast. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's one thing that a lot of people, you know, who, who are interested in business must always learn is that 
cash is like the gasoline for the rocket that you want to build. So if you want a rocket and you want this thing to go fast, you better be prepared with a lot of cash because it will burn mm -hmm. it. And that's where we Beautiful. were. Yeah, that's where we were. Mm -hmm. We were building a rocket and we needed cash, right? Mm -hmm. And before we go to uh, the short tent, I want to ask you, so at this point, how many years are you in a business with your father? Uh, at this point, we were uh, two years into the business. Two and a half. Okay. About two and a half. Wow. Yeah. And is this everything you, you anticipate, Yan, or is anything that surprised you? Oh, you know, <laughs> I would say working because with, fam with family. Because you want to help your Well, but working yes. with family is hard, right? He and I are very different, right? I, I am the vision type person. I am the big picture, mm -hmm. you know, much more business marketing oriented. Uh, mm -hmm. He's much more operational, right? He thinks about, mm -hmm. well, we can't do it this way because tuna doesn't slice this way. And, you know, mm -hmm. and, and we can't do that because avocado doesn't last that long. And so he, I, mm -hmm. and we, and so we, we made the perfect odd couple that way. Um, mm -hmm. And yes. uh, so he handled the operations as a COO and I was the CEO out there trying to grow the company, build the brand uh, and push. Mm -hmm. Right. And so we, we did different parts of the company. So was, was that everything you kind of anticipate or? Like now you kind of don't have fancy glamorous office anymore. You're going to be in a restaurant sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. But it was a dirty business. That's all good. <laughs> um, it, it's, it's hard work. Uh, restaurants mm -hmm. are, you know, I love restaurants. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I tend to want to go to restaurants and enjoy them now than uh, me owning them and running them. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, food is an essential thing for all of us. And, and so it's mm -hmm. a very, it's a very close thing to to human nature and, and human beings uh i would say running it as a business uh it turned out to be a lot tougher than than you know i imagined and a lot of it is everything from how difficult labor was and and the labor force uh mm. to you know dealing with perishable inventory mm -hmm. right with food mm -hmm. um, there was a lot of challenges uh and and you're trying to at the same time while you're doing it you're trying to teach other people how to do because you're franchising and mm -hmm. so teaching somebody that's not familiar with all that is a hard learning curve. And so from that perspective, mm -hmm. life was very, very busy and very, very stressful. Mm -hmm. Wow. Um, so that moment, ABC discovered you guys. What was your guys' first feeling? Were you so excited or did no. you see that as <laughs> maybe the light in the other side end of the tunnel? No, no. It was, it was one of those where my marketing team came to me and said, hey, ABC Shark Tank uh just found us and want us on the show and i literally said what's shark tank i don't i don't know what that is i've never even what? heard of the show yeah i had never heard of the the show before i don't watch tv mm -hmm. i didn't watch tv i was too busy and and i didn't know anything mm -hmm. about reality tv and and so they said well you know mark cuban you know owner of the dallas dallas mavericks billionaire is on that show you got all these books mm -hmm. and basically it's a pitch competition type thing um mm -hmm. and and uh you know it's something we should consider and you know, at the time, I was actually in Boston uh, getting my master's at MIT uh, when, when my marketing team sent this to me. I remember being in class and getting the email. Uh, and I said, eh, I don't know. I'll deal with it when I get back. And so, uh, you know, a week later, I get back to my office and the contract's sitting there. And I was like, eh, guys, I, I don't think this is what we want to do. I, I don't want to be on reality TV. I'm just not very interested mm -hmm. in that. Um, and uh, they said, OK. So, so my marketing team called, let them know. And while they're calling them, they come back over and they say, hey, uh, the producer of ABC Shark Tank is on the phone. He wants to talk to you. Uh, 
Wow. I said, I don't want to talk to him. I already said no. <laughs> and he yeah. said, no, he said, he says, look, he just wants to talk to you. If you still say no, that's fine. He just wants to talk to you. And so I mm-hmm. pick up the phone. Hey, how you doing? This is Yen. You know, I'm the CEO, mm-hmm. blah, blah. And um, I don't, I don't remember how long the conversation was. It didn't seem like a very long, but one of the things the producer says is um, we have 5 million in audience for our show per episode. Mm-hmm. And I said, did you just say 5 million viewers? And they said, yeah, we're up for Emmy awards. Now we have 5 million viewers. And I said, okay, let me think about it. <laughs> and wow. uh, yeah, I, I thought about it. I talked to the team and I said, you know, this could be huge for the business. Um, okay, I'll do it. And uh, so, so that's kind of how it happened. Wow. And were you excited, scared, terrified or all in above? Um, I, I, I just, the thing I was most nervous about, uh, and my brother and I talked a lot about it when we were getting ready to go on the show was let's do everything we can to make sure they don't make us look stupid <laughs> <laughs> because when you, cause I started watching some of the episodes to get familiar with it and you mm-hmm. see people crying, you see people that can't answer yes. questions about their business and mm-hmm. they just make you look dumb. And, mm-hmm. uh, and I just said, you know what, whatever <laughs> happens, we cannot look stupid. That just, that just won't work. Don't embarrass the family name. Right. <laughs> and, uh, so, so, so that's that the was, only goal. Don't that, look stupid. That was Show a big up. objective. That was a big objective. Yeah. Yeah. And, wow. uh, yeah. And so, so, you know, as we were going on the show. So wait, how long did you prepare and Four. tell me more about that? Gosh, uh, timing-wise, uh, we said yes to going. No, we said yes to going on the show sometime in August yeah. or July, and we were uh, in LA in the studios in September filming. Wow, so fast! You only uh, like a so month. So very fast. Yeah, yeah, very quickly. But they didn't air our episode until February of the next Got year. Got it. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So tell us. Yeah. How does that? How does that work? The, sh- the day you arrive. <laughs> oh my gosh. So, so, so you, 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 you don't, so the way they, they do this show is that to make it authentic, the sharks don't know anything about your business, oh. right? Otherwise they, they can't pre-plan. Mm-hmm. And so they just go through probably 10, 15 businesses uh, a mm-hmm. day. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and they just go through and they, they, they record each one as if it's its own episode. Uh, and so you go in and so when you go in front of the sharks, they really don't know who you are other than your mm-hmm. name and the, and the business and, and that's it. And they've done no research on you, anything like mm-hmm. that to keep it very authentic and keep it reality. So what most people don't know is that we were in front of the sharks for about 90 something minutes total. Wow. So hour and a half. The only, the, the thing that everyone sees is the episode itself, which is eight minutes long. Wow. So they cut 90-something minutes down to eight minutes. Wait, what? How? <laughs> uh, that's just what they do. So, so they, they clip it and they, they, they just pare it down to some of the key points mm-hmm. and, and, and moments. Mm-hmm. And, and they put that on TV. Because you've got to think. So, for example, uh, when one of the first questions that was asked was by Mark Cuban. And he said, you know, hey, Yen, how did you come up with that valuation of blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah? You know, how did you justify that? And so I, being a finance person, I said, oh, well, let me tell you. So I use the discount cash flow model. Mm-hmm. You know, this is where we are in revenue today. I anticipate this. I use the discount rate of this because of mm-hmm. this. 
And, you know, we spent about 15, 20 minutes just talking about just the valuation and the model. Mm -hmm. And then when he was done, he said, wow, that was, that was one of the best uh, <laughs> presentations of somebody that understood valuation and their valuation that I've ever seen. But I don't want to be in the sushi business, so I'm out. So guess what? 20 minutes of conversation. Guess what they put on TV? <laughs> I don't want to be in the sushi business, so I'm out. <laughs> oh, I remember that. <laughs> yeah, wow. yeah, yeah. So, so, so the, all the business aspects of it, they cut out of the show. Why is that? I'm curious. Interesting. Because it's boring. I, I, I think for for your general audience, you want the drama, but you don't need all the <laughs> the other stuff, right? And like literally, it would get boring, right? So, so the 15, 20 minutes of valuation, some of the other sharks probably fell asleep during it, right? <laughs> While I'm, I'm, I'm trying to answer the question because that the real business side of it, there's a lot more you know, technic technicalities mm -hmm. there. Uh, so for example, they asked us about our, our inventory system and our marketing system and how do we, how do we produce certain things to get, get, get the, the sauces to be consistent from store to store across the country. All of that kind of stuff gets cut mm -hmm. out of the show. Itself. All the details. But they ask those questions. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, Wow. So how do you how do you enjoy that experience? And also you got the highest, highest offer in the history at that moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's still probably one of the highest offers ever uh, at a million dollars. And the reason we started with a million was because we wanted to be memorable. Uh, and so when we went in, we just asked for the million right up front. That's awesome. The producers are actually well, the producers actually uh, at first I actually said, I'm going to ask for three million dollars. And the producer says, uh, you can't do that. He said, well, you, it's not that you can't do that, but we don't advise you to do mm. that. And I said, why? He said, the problem is that if you come up with a, a number too big, all the sharks will go out because they don't have the dollars to, to, to fund mm. it. Um, and he says, you know, yeah. And they're used to funneling hundred thousand mm -hmm, dollars, mm -hmm. you know, $25,000. I mean, little, little amounts. Mm -hmm. I said, okay, what if I did a million? And he said, well, we've never done a million before. He said, the most we've ever done is 750,000. He said, that's the biggest deal in history. So wow. Far. I said, well, I'm going to ask for a million. <laughs> yeah, you are such a risk taker. <laughs> I guess so. I don't know. <laughs> you are. You just have I, I the guy going to go with it. You are not yeah. afraid at all. I guess so. I don't know. I don't think of it that way, but I, I guess that's how some people would inter interpret that's it. That's incredible. So um, <laughs> how does that make you feel after, you know, you guys receive the highest offer ever in the entire history one million dollars you ask you received even though producer at the time wasn't even didn't even believe in you guys <laughs> well you know they're, they're there to produce a tv show right that's that's their main objective mm -hmm. i was there for business and i wanted the marketing i wanted the five million eyeballs on us and i you know whether we got a deal or not was less relevant mm -hmm. I, I wanted the five million uh, mm -hmm. eyeballs and uh, so, so that's what we did. And, and I think having a million dollar deal and then having Kevin O'Leary mm -hmm. be able to say, I'll give you $1 million, right? Being able to say that was just so much excitement for the show, mm -hmm. right? And so, so it got us to, 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 to air the episode. And so in February of that year, of the following year, you know, the, the episode uh, uh, aired. Wow. And at that moment, were you and your brother just so proud do you tell you guys you made it? So, so here's the thing: we we didn't know, and the reason why is we knew what happened, but we didn't know how the episode was going to look, 
right? We have no idea how they're going to cut it up, mm. what they did, what they were going to do with it. So we had to wait till February <laughs> and we could not under confidentiality, under confidentiality, we could not tell anybody what the outcome oh was. Oh my God, that must be right? hard. Yeah, it was hard. We had to wait four months, right? Before we could tell anybody and they had to, we had to wait till they aired it and then we could talk about wow. it. So we had to be very quiet, but in the meantime, we were planning, right? We were getting geared up for, for what would happen mm-hmm. if we did get aired. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we, you know, we, we, we beefed up our, our servers so that, you know, we, we, we would be ready for people inquiring about us and, and whatnot. And of course, you know, the night of the episode airing, the website crashes because wow. <laughs> you got millions of people hitting the website. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, you know, overnight, we, I think we ended up having like 2000 uh, leads or inquiries for franchising with us wow. all over the world. Incredible. <laughs> it was a, uh, yeah, it was crazy. It was crazy. Yeah. So how does that make you feel? Do you feel like you made it? That's a big, big break. Um, you know, it's funny because most people, because of it's because it's TV, most people sensationalize it in their minds. For me, um, I still had to run a business, and and, and now what was I going to do with this opportunity of what was created? And you know, so we ended up after the show, we ended up signing something like four hundred units to be open over the next twenty wow. years, right? Within within like six months, we we signed up that many franchisees. Well, that's the challenge was, yeah, sorry, go ahead. well, it was very scary. Here's, here's what happened. We, the reason we ended up selling the business was because we had so much to do and there was no way we could do it. So we started failing. So we were supposed to open 20 the following year. Mm-hmm. We opened three the next year. We were supposed to open another 20. Mm-hmm. Guess what? We opened five. And I told my brother, I was like, this is, this is starting to fail because we physically, physically could not keep up with the demand. Mm-hmm of opening these stores. Uh, and, and so, so I said, here's the best thing we could do. We, we should sell it because we can sell it to somebody that has the capabilities mm-hmm. of getting the real estate done, opening the stores, running franchisees, mm-hmm. all that stuff. We were just an office of six people. That was wow. it, right. So we, we were, we, we were, we were having struggles just to open a store. Cause every time we opened a mm-hmm. store, you know, a, a third of my team would be in, in another state for like a month, wow. <laughs> right. To get that store open. And, and so we just couldn't mathematically get it done. And so we end up selling to a, uh, a private equity firm out in California mm-hmm. uh, that specializes in different franchise concepts. Was the idea difficult for you and your brother? Digest? Or it was, was uh, I, I think it was harder for my brother because mm-hmm. he was so ingrained into the brand and what they were doing and what we were mm-hmm. doing. Uh, for me, I was like, that's fine. Sell it, make some money and uh, move on to the next thing. Right. Mm. Uh, and so it was a tough decision. It was a very hard decision. And I do recall us having a lot of arguments about it. <laughs> My brother and I are fine now, mm. you know, but at the time I, I, I still remember us, you know, having uh, pretty hard debates. Mm-hmm. You know, Ian, I'm, I'm curious, how would you able to always kind of remain center and focus and always do the right thing? You were mentioning whether it's at a short time when it's so fancy and glamorous, all that, but you solely focus on the business. And I felt everything that every challenge come to your way, you always remain focused on the task at hand and don't look ahead. Make the right choice next. Like, how are you able to just remain center? Well, I, I fundamentally believe it comes down to the fact that um, my core values drive my decisions. 
And as long as I stay true to my value system, then the other decisions are very easy to make and there's not a lot of stress or debate about them. And so that's true of, I believe in life. And, and I believe that in life it's, we're as human beings, we should strive more to be significant than to be successful. And what I mean by that is success is really a lot of the material stuff, uh, the bling Mm -hmm. and, 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 and the keeping up with Mm -hmm. the Joneses, (laughs) whereas significance is about how many people do you impact? Mm. How many, how many, how many positive life impacts do you make? Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, so I just try to live by that. And I try to think about everything I do is, is, is around that thought process. And so when I have to make decisions, I make decisions and I move on with it. That's beautiful. So what happened next? Now, how? <laughs> yeah. So, so we sold the business, we got out, uh, and, uh, my brother took his equity and, and, uh, is now in Houston doing restaurants and franchise consulting and that sort of stuff. Uh, I took my equity and, uh, took some time off, took about six months off and, uh, tried to figure out what I was going to do next. Um, and, uh, I didn't know, I thought maybe I'll get back to wealth management cause I loved it so much. Uh, I thought about, well, do I start another venture, another franchise? Cause I have all that experience now. Uh, but I ended up having dinner with a friend of mine who was in real estate <laughs> and, uh, we went out to dinner one night and we were just to catch up and chit chat. And we just talked about the business. And I was like, Oh, you know, I can help you consult, you know, what, 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 what kind of stuff are you working on? And he was talking about, uh, you know, needing to raise capital and trying to get deals done and, and I said, oh, okay, well, I can, I can consult for you. Well, long story short, he came back and said, I need you to run my capital company, which was Casoro Capital mm-hmm. at the time. And uh, I said, well, you know, let me think about it. I, 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 don't, I don't know if I, I work well as an employee. <laughs> and he said, no, no, I'm an entrepreneur. You're an entrepreneur. I understand that. I want to let you run with it. Uh, and so long story short, six, now six years later, I'm, I'm the CEO of uh, Casoro Group. Uh, and he's, he's retired to being a chairman and founder and, uh, you know, we're growing the company. Wow. So, uh, and so now, now I'm doing real estate. I can say, I know a lot about real estate now after six years. So, uh, so that's kind of how it happened. That's insane. And I want to just take a second to, to realize you reinvent yourself over and over again from first investing world, restaurant franchising, and then real estate investment how do you able to just able to pick up and just decide and move forward? That's incredible. Um, you know, it, that's a good question. Uh, I think that a lot of it is that when, when you build up skill sets, life skill sets, they're transferable. It, it, it's, it's irrelevant. And that's why the second book, the, 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 the business model blueprint is the fact that everything I've learned in all these different businesses I see the commonality inside mm. of them. They all have to something to do with people and they all have to do with revenues versus expenses. <laughs> and they all have to do with cash flow, right? They're all the same. They're like, literally, they're all the same. It doesn't matter yeah. if you're in real estate, if you're in restaurants or if you're in, in wealth management. Uh, and, and uh, you know, to me, all of that is, is a commonality. Mm. So to, to go from financial planning mm-hmm. to restaurant, and most people say, wow, that's a big jump, but not really. Going to restaurants to mm-hmm. real estate, not really, uh, because ultimately 
it's about people and it's about, mm -hmm. you know, the ideas of how we execute those ideas, uh, managing the, the, the systems mm -hmm. that come with it. It's all the same. Beautiful. All so, same. what drives you today, Yan? You obviously successful. You don't need to work if you don't want to, right? You are, you are, you are achieving all the incredible things you wanted to do in life. Like, what what drives you? You just keep going. <laughs> I'm young. I'm not that old. Yes, that's even the magic part. You're young, um... I accomplish so much things. <laughs> well. You know, I, I feel like I, I'll, I'll, I, I will work forever. I, I don't see a time where I won't be doing something. Uh, it's more of just I only want to do things that, that, that I have enjoyment on. And for me, it, it's really that significance piece mm -hmm. that I just talked about earlier, which is as long as I am in a position to help people, grow people, develop people, um, have a positive impact in the world, uh, I'm not going to stop. I'm just it's just. It's just that's just what I enjoy, right? Um, not that I don't take time and, and mm -hmm. go golf or or play racquetball <laughs> or you know uh, hang out with my kids. And I want to make sure I make my kids swim meets or their soccer games. I'm, I'm not going to miss out mm -hmm. on any of those things. I'm going to every week I want to have a date night with my wife. I, I don't want to miss out on oh. any of those things. Uh, but as far as work is concerned, uh, I just want to do meaningful work. And some somebody asked me once, you know you know, what is the meaning of life? And, 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 and the response was, it's the reverse of that, which is really living a life of meaning is really what it's all about, right? Um, that is the meaning of life. And so that's what I try to do. And so it keeps me going. Beautiful. I don't, I don't, I don't get bored. That's beautiful. <laughs> I don't and get bored. I want to make sure I understand what you just said. So you said the meaning of life is life with meaning and you interpret meaning with, yes. uh, in inspire and impacting people and the world creating um the positive yeah. impact how do you yeah that's how it. do you and have that, that yeah. sort of value system that you you know keep referring back like what do you think that shaped your worldview you know i i think i think it's shaped from from mm -hmm. from my parents right and then myself as as the world continues on uh i feel like there's plenty of problems with the world today and there's plenty of opportunity for us mm -hmm. to fix those things um, but I just I just remember growing up. Uh, obviously, our parents were were very good parents, and and I I, I live off the shoulders oh. of them, right on top of their shoulders. And uh, one thing that my father said uh, to me that was very impactful. I don't even know if he remembers it, but he said, you know, in life, you really just want to do good work, you know, have impact, leave a little history, and then you're gone. Wow. And I said, wow, that's so true, right? So that's all I'm trying to do. I'm trying to do things that impact people, leave some history, and then one day I'm gone, and, and, and that's it. And that's what life is like, right? And, and that, piece of, that piece of the advice of you're here to leave some history, and it's your, it's your decision to decide what that mm -hmm. history looks like is, is probably what drives me every day. Wow, that's so beautiful. And I'm curious, um, yeah, you know, today you've done so much. You accomplished so many incredible things in multiple different ways. I'm curious, you know, if our listeners are um, also entrepreneurs, maybe you wanted to start a venture, maybe us in the mix of their business. Is there any advice, any suggestion you would share that you wish you knew when you were younger? Well, you know, that's why I wrote my first yeah, book. Yeah, tell us more about that. Uh, I felt. Yeah, well, so, you know, as, as immigrants and first generation coming over, 
I feel like a lot of times we're sold on this idea of what the American dream is. And that American dream is work hard, keep your, mm-hmm. keep quiet, do what you're supposed to do, work hard and you'll be successful. And over my experience, I've learned that that's not true. That is so not true. Tell right? us more. And so the first book was about, well, so, so, so the first book was the formula was success mm-hmm. equals hard work. And then that formula doesn't really work. And so I said, well, then what truly can drive mm-hmm. success? Because once you're successful, then you can start thinking about significance, right? Mm-hmm. Which is what I say is really the mm-hmm. ultimate goal. And so I started trying to analyze what, what does it take to become successful? And so in the book, what I do is I break it down into six major elements of what it takes to create mm-hmm. success or in that case, economic mm-hmm. value, right? And so hard work is not a element of success. It is a multiplier of success. So for example, in the book, I talk about how big your network is, has an impact on your your Mm -hmm. overall success and your economic value. The bigger your network, the bigger your economic Mm -hmm. value. So if you apply hard work in building a strong network, guess what? That multiplies it, Mm right? Right. So you have to work hard, but you have to work smart and you have to work in the right places. And so that whole book is really designed to help. I really wrote it for my (laughs) boys so that, you know, one day when I'm gone and they say, well, I don't know how to be successful in life. They say, oh, dad wrote a book on it. Maybe I should read it (laughs) and and figure it out. And, And so, you know, so the whole book was designed to help people understand what what are the things that they need Mm -hmm. to really focus on. Right. How how important is education? Yeah, I address that. How important is your network? I address that, right? How important is luck? Sometimes dumb luck is just just as important mm-hmm, as anything mm-hmm. else, right? Uh, your starting point in life is, mm-hmm. is very relevant. Uh, so, so anyway, the book addresses all that. And so I feel like that is the advice I would give a lot of people is to, to think mm-hmm. about those elements. Then the second book is really designed to say, okay, I've, I've learned a lot from the first book, which is all these ideas and elements of how to create success. The next step is then build a business that will then create that, 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 that significance mm. for you, right? And so that's kind of, so this like that's a series. That's incredible. On and I, I could not wait to get a second book. I'm almost finished the first one. So guys, if you're interested, make sure oh, good. you get your book. I want to ask you, Yen, uh, you, you mentioned <laughs> about you. American dream. You mentioned about this sort of stereotype, quote unquote, about hard work equals success. So today, you know, come the full circle, what does American dream mean for you? Yeah, so for me, it's very different than I think for my parents. Uh, you know, for them, it was mm-hmm. about a better life, uh, making sure their kids, you know, uh, got an education and, uh, you know, they, they weren't limited. I think for myself, uh, the American dream is about the impact oh. and significance. So I already work off of, I already work off of a mm-hmm. foundation where I have the education, I have the money. I have the, the life that I want. I have the mm-hmm. car that I, I, I have, right? I have mm-hmm. all of that stuff. So now the question is, when you have that foundation mm-hmm. already, what's more, what's the next thing? And the next thing for me is that I can build a better America, right? I can help yes. be a part of that and build a better U.S. to create more opportunity for more people to build foundations and be able to actually say, hey, this is the greatest country mm-hmm. because... There is that foundation that gives you the opportunity that you need to do all of those things. Wow. 
Wow, Yan is is so beautiful. I just I just love to uh you know get to know you through this journey and just you know understand your value and understand how you're such a heart center um business person. Not just doing business, but you actually care. You actually care about the people, creating impact, and making the world a better place and lift the American dream. So every so more people can enjoy the the opportunity, the, all the incredible things uh you are creating. So I just. I'm so honored. Thank you, thank you so much, Yan, and for what a beautiful conversation.、Oh. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Thanks for the opportunity, and you know, God bless America, and God bless everybody out there. All right, guys, this is the show for today. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did, and I cannot wait to see you guys next time. 